from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regularly scheduled podcast episodes in order to give you a better picture of how the COVID-19 virus is impacting all parts of the industry, as well as to help provide a bit of hope and a path forward. Today, I'm talking with Josh Wyatt, the CEO of Noya House. Josh, thanks so much for joining me. Good afternoon. It's great to be here. So before we, you know, jump right into the conversation, I'd love to, you know, get a, you know, personal check. How are you doing? Well, Adam, thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, obviously, like everyone else, uh, it's been a, you know, a very challenging, surreal, um, at, at times, um, in a way, depressing couple months. But in, in other times, and, and what I'm seeing now personally, and, and I think even from a society perspective is some interesting glimmers of hope and a view that I think we're turning the corner as a society. I, I you know, I'm seeing people uh, even just outside stop and say hello to each other, you know, check in on their neighbors again, using social distancing. But I, I think there's been a great reset, right? This great pause where uh, people are feeling a little more human maybe. So, you know, it, it's, it's been an interesting time. Uh, but I certainly, uh, Certainly, I'm taking it one day at a time. So, I mean, that's good to hear. For those, I mean, I live in New York. Our offices are very close to Noya House uh, when we're able to go to our offices. So, I've been to quite a few um, events and lectures, et cetera, at the Noya House here in New York City. But for those who aren't familiar with Noya House, can you give us a brief explanation of what it is um, before we kick off the rest of the conversation? Absolutely. So, Noya House is a private workspace and Shared Workspace Members Community, which is focused on the creative uh, creative communities and creative individuals and companies uh, that have really popped up over the last 10 years or so to drive forward the cultural conversation. And what's been interesting about Neuhaus, uh, especially in the area of community experience programming, um, is you've seen a, a really a proliferation of these different clubs open in, in New York and Los Angeles and, and London. Uh, but Neuhaus, you know, has been around now for, for some time, uh, you know, almost about eight years or so, uh, expanding very slowly and mindfully. And each year, uh, the brand and the community seems to strengthen around these high-performance creative moments and, and creative individuals and companies. So, you know, going into this crisis, uh, it's really interesting to see uh, the voice uh, and the experience and the commitment that our our little company has had to the creative community, and I'm very you know I'm hopeful that we um, you know we come out of this really highlighting how we try to support our members and uh, and the creative community. So with that in mind, I mean you're obviously a space where people come every single day, and now we're all sheltering in place. So how have you adapted um, since? the the you know shelter in place orders hit um and what are you guys thinking right now as a as a organization well i think in in moments of crisis and and this certainly is the most profound and, and challenging moment in in my professional life um you know and, and certainly up there in my personal life um I, I think the first thing that you have to do is just really take one day at a time and really focus on decisions that provide clarity for People, clarity for employees, clarity for customers or members, clarity for investors, uh, clarity for uh, partners, landlords, vendors. Um, so, you know, really since this started, and, and we, I think we've taken the lead in, in a lot of areas, um, a, a, a sense of quiet leadership, I should say, or clarify. Um, 
where each day we're very mindful in our approach into how we deal with others. And if we take a series of small decisions and small actions that are morally strong, you know, and have a, a really, really good uh, moral compass to them. Um, I think that over the course of the crisis, we will do the right thing. Um, so, so let's take a couple examples. So we were the first private members club and shared workspace to voluntarily close in the industry. So without naming other names, um, everyone else stayed open as long as they could. Uh, we actually closed our doors both in Los Angeles and New York on March 16th, which was about you know 10 days ahead of the curve in terms of the uh, formal uh, shelter-in-place notices that went out by um, city, state, and, uh, and federal officials. Um, not only did we close our doors earlier than most, uh, you know, due to the fact that we felt that it was our moral duty to do so, um, we also were the first to waive membership fees oh, wow. in the industry. Um, so we, we did that because we want to be around for a long time and we want to build a thoughtful, uh, very dedicated and, and loyal perspective with our members. So it, it hurt us you know, deeply financially um, to immediately waive April uh, and May fees. But we, we did that because we knew that everyone in our ecosystem who comes in a Noi house on a daily basis was going to suffer deep, deep challenges. And that, again, it was, it was a small decision. It was a very important one, but it was just one day at a time. You know, we, we decided, okay, let's close and do the right thing. The next decision a couple of days later was let's waive fees because this will be a, a you know, deeply distressing financial time for many. Um, and, and then from there, you know, each day or each, each week brings a series of new decisions that no one probably knows the right answer. But if you go back to your key foundational values, first as a person, right? So, you know, really focusing on myself as a leader uh, and my team and, and looking at what is the right thing to do, that has really guided us. I, I, I'm not going to, uh, you know... Um, embellish, you know, embellish the situation. It's not like we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, trying to craft a deeply uh, expansive strategy. I, I think, you know, in, in a time of deep crisis, when there's a lot of bullets flying, you just have to take one step at a time and do the right thing. And, and that's what we've really been dedicated to doing. So thinking about sort of what you guys did, which is, you know, amazing. You were proactive in the beginning. What have you, what are you doing now to, to still support your members, to still stay in touch with your members? Um, have you, have you pivoted at all in terms of services that you still are, are trying to provide, et cetera, in, in this time? Yeah. So it, I, first and foremost, I think communication is really key. Um, it, in not only in, in this situation, um, again, with people, having a great sense of uncertainty in their personal and professional lives. Um, so, you know, reducing ambiguity and really highlighting clarity, I think is extremely important. It, it puts people at ease. Um, there's a lot of things we can't control. So the, the simple things we can control, let, let's highlight those and communicate those. That's the first thing that we've, we've been doing consistently. The second thing we've been doing is we've been extremely thoughtful in terms of how we view um, our approach to our members and to the typical content that we have produced or, or have always produced at Neuhaus. So Neuhaus is, 
as you mentioned um, at the at the top of the podcast, we've always had a uh, a deep sense of commitment and track record in terms of producing um, exceptional programming events within the uh, within the cultural community, both in New York and Los Angeles. Um, when the uh, you know when the real force of of the pandemic hit and when things really shut down towards late March, um, you saw in the industry, whether it was the entertainment industry or um, the hospitality industry or the members club industry, you saw a lot of groups immediately go online and start to produce as much content as they could uh, to, to sort of just keep the noise levels high. Right. Um, we actually did the exact opposite. And, you know, it would be interesting to see if that was the right move or not. But I felt that it wasn't necessarily appropriate you know, as we were trying to figure out the, the key steps, it wasn't appropriate to go online immediately and provide content or programming, uh, you know, or um, sort of superfluous services for our members while people were really suffering and, and you know, in, in a sense, deeply fearful. Um, so I, I just didn't think it was appropriate to post, you know, design photos of Neuhaus uh, online or appropriate to post, you know, photos of cocktails or food or uh, you know, what, what you're seeing being done by a number of these hospitality uh, brands out there. It's not to say there's anything wrong with that, but our mission, our tone of voice has always been uh, quite deep and, and, and really dedicated to, to deep, uh, deep thought experimentation and, and intellectual pursuits. So we paused and we reflected. And out of that, um, we developed a, I think, a very thoughtful uh, approach to programming that we just launched um, this week. Uh, we came out with a new uh, digital portal, uh, which is called the Time to Reflect, uh, Share and Explore, um, where we've highlighted our members' uh, stories and member-driven thought pieces uh, and, and very, very limited, but very high-quality select um, online live events. So, you know, again, there, there's just going into this virus, there's just so much going on all the time. And we felt, you know, hey, why don't we take a moment to get through all this? Let's take the second moment to pause and, and really just deeply, quietly reflect on what we want to amplify out. And then we've come out with this this content and, and with, you know, with the intent over the next couple of months to, to really focus on quality over quantity. Uh, and, and I think that's the right approach for us. It, it may not be the right approach for everyone, but, you know, for us and our members and, and our culture, um, we think that that's ultimately the right step to, to, to take. So how much have you started to think about, I mean, I'm sure all the time, right? You're an entrepreneur. Uh, this is your business. But how much have you really started thinking about the future in terms of what happens when we open up? And especially when it comes to, what that might mean for, uh, you know, an organization such as yours, right, where people are in contact a lot, and that there might be, you know, requirements that are put in place, either by the federal, the state, local governments, in terms of how close people can be together. We've had a lot of conversations with restaurateurs on the podcast about, you know, are they only gonna be able to have 10 tables in a 100 table restaurant for the next x months? Yeah. Um, and if you have thought about those, those things, what, what are you what does that mean? Sort of what's your strategy moving forward? I, I think it's a great question. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of different levers to pull when assessing that. Um, and yes, we, you know, we have been thinking about it from an operational perspective, from a service delivery perspective, from a hospitality perspective, from a psychological perspective. 
And importantly, from a design perspective, those are the, you know, sort of the five areas of, um, of operations or delivery that, you know, go through all of our minds um, in the business and certainly through my mind as CEO. Uh, and again, it, it comes back to a point that I made at the beginning of this podcast, which is th there's a lot of things that we can't control. Um, and the things that we can control, let, let's, let's tackle those one step at a time. And, and do it in the right way and in a thoughtful way uh, and, and frankly, in a high quality way so that we get it right. So, again, you're seeing a lot of, um, you know, press releases or uh, items online of uh, people taking knee jerk reactions to how they intend to operate when they open. Um, I, I would be just you know, very transparent and very, very vulnerably honest to say, number one, we don't know when we're going to reopen. Um, you know, it could be two weeks from now, it could be two months from now. So uh, that's the first, the, the first phase is sort of knowing, knowing what you know, and knowing what you don't know. The, the second step is what can we do from a immediate service and hospitality delivery to make our members and their guests feel welcome, to feel safe, uh, to feel like, you know, when they do take the decision to leave their houses, and I think everyone is going to decide literally like a ration of time, right? It's going to be, how do I minimize my exposure to other people or to, you know, to potentially catching the virus? And, and I think that psychology is going to totally inform how people right. use public transportation. What, you know, instead of going out four nights a week, maybe they say, look, I go out one night a week. And it could be not only psychological or health wise for the virus, it, it will be financial as well. Um, people will not have the same budgets uh, that they had going into this. So people will ration their time and they're going to ration their mental energy in terms of how they interact with organizations and, and venues such as restaurants, entertainment, members clubs, workspaces, et cetera. Um, I, so I think our, fir our first goal is how do we make people feel totally safe and comfortable? And, and that, that goes to you know, some very basic things that are pretty easy to deal with. And then there's some more profound design shifts that we're already debating with our third-party design partners uh, who, for example, uh, Rockwell Group, who designed Los Angeles in Hollywood and uh, Madison Square for us, and Design Agency, which is based, who's based out of Toronto, who just did Bradbury for us. I, I've had dialogues with uh, both of those principals to start to explore how we can work together uh, in this post-COVID world to enhance our product. So some of that, again, could be very basic. You know, what are the basic design upgrades that are needed to make uh, employees and, and members feel safe? And then some are more fun. So, you know, looking at how how do you use different materials and alloys to enhance the, um, you know, the safety and cleanliness of the eating and dining and event experience. So, I think many listeners probably have read that certain alloys such as copper uh, are are much more adept at uh, at at uh, killing the virus. Uh, so you know maybe for example we roll out you know all new tables made out of copper or that the point of sale uh, getting a cup of coffee or a drink uh, will be made out of certain materials. Um, looking at how people distance. Uh, and how those tables and chairs are designed. Um, I think that will be part, you know, part of the obligation, but also the fun sort of creative angle on the design side of coming up with some new uh, and interesting and innovative ways to address, uh, you know, this post, uh, you know, well, I don't know if it'll be post COVID, but this, this COVID world right. that we're, uh, that we're living in. 
semi-COVID world. I mean, depending semi-COVID, on semi-COVID, there you go, semi-COVID world. Who, who, you're, yeah, who exactly. you're reading, et cetera, right? The, the timeline of how long we live with this could be the next 18 months could be the next four years. So correct. Um, That's correct. Yeah. So one other question, because you know, always having someone on like, like yourself, business owner as well, there's a lot of other uh, restaurateurs, barners, et cetera, that listen to the podcast. So if you are able to give any advice, um, I always like to ask this question, which is you obviously are dealing with, uh, you know, suppliers, landlords, et cetera, um, how have you approached your conversations with them and what would you suggest in terms of, you know, other people listening that they should, you know, approach those, those conversations as well with, with people, right? So let's say we have someone listening to the podcast right now who is a restaurateur and doesn't really know how to approach their landlord and say like, look, we all know that this is happening. How can you help me as well so that I don't get stuck having to pay X amount of rent when I had no customers for the last two to four months? I think this is absolutely one of the most profound questions out there for, for any type of um, any type of business leader, owner, entrepreneur, executive, um, manager. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, I, I think in a way, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing to reset how business is done. I think we've all been moving very fast. And um, I think a lot of us, certainly in America and to some extent the rest of the world, have forgotten what old school business looks like. Old school business, you know, I mean, in old school, I mean, not even just say 25 years ago, it was about relationships. It was about handshakes. It was about, you know, supporting people through thick and thin. Um, we, we sort of have gotten away from that in the last couple of decades. I, and I think it's a combination of, you know, this massive expansion of, of wealth. Um, it's a combination of technology. Uh, and rapid fire um, communications, including obviously the um, the introduction of um, you know twenty four hour seven day a week real time information, um, and now you're looking at a scenario where there will be um, no justifiable um, legal rationale, for example, for a vendor or for a landlord to you know cut a deal, for example, with a with a restaurateur or with a hotelier or with a private members club. So. You know, there could, in theory, be, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of bankruptcies around the country if if everyone pulls out a contract and says, this is the contract, this is what it says, and I'm holding you to it. Right. Society will collapse if that's the case. And I, I think you're going to find out really quickly, you know, who has um, who has the ability to really work through um, relationships and has the ability to, to manage from a position of um, emotional intelligence, emotional sympathy or empathy, and and really approach their counterparty, whether it's a landlord, a vendor, uh, a, a customer, and say, look, you know, I don't know necessarily what the answer is. All I know is that we got to work together to figure out something, because right now the system uh, is is absolutely in chaos, and this is actually very much unlike the 2008 financial crisis, where it was very much um, a scenario of a zero sum game where there was a lot of winners and a lot of losers, but it did not affect the entire broad base of society. So it's exactly the opposite now. Everyone's impacted. And no matter uh, whether you're a C-suite executive or, you know, an extremely wealthy uh, person sitting in their country home listening to this, or, you know, you're an hourly uh, laborer, uh, you know, or, or a junior employee, everyone is affected. And it's, a, it's going to be a wide and far-reaching uh, economic uh, recession. So the only way to get through that is to work together and try to create value 
not only for yourself, but for your counterparty. So, you know, our, our approach to everyone has been, first of all, honesty. Look, hey, you know, we don't have the money to pay you. Uh, you know, when we do have the money to pay you, here's what we'd like to pay you. Here's why we don't have the money to pay you, right? I mean, th those types of honest interactions, uh, you'll find out pretty quickly how your, how your counterparty thinks. Um, and unfortunately in life, you know, there will be, hopefully not many, but there will be people who do not understand how serious the situation is uh, and, and will not take a human approach to business. And, you know, I would say it's probably better off you find that out now and cut bait and move on and, and find, you know, partners and people who, you know, really have a, a deep sense of emotional intelligence that you can work with long term. Because those are the types of relationship over the next 10 years, 20 years that will really be invaluable to you as you rebuild your business and your life. You know, I, I, I've been telling some of my younger um, uh, mentees, people who call me for advice, I, I've said, look, you know, in theory, I guess there was nothing wrong with the last 20 years of this like very fast money where people would build a business plan and say, okay, you know, in three years, we're going to double our money or in five years, or we'll have a, you know, if you're working in a bigger situation like private equity, you know, we'll have a levered return of 20%, two times equity multiple. Um, you know, or if you're a small time entrepreneur, you're trying to get a loan or an equity infusion for a restaurant and you're saying, okay, I'll get you a payback in a year and a half. I think that whole thinking um, and, and how business is done needs to totally change. Um, I think we need to go back to say, hey, you know, I'm building this company because I hope it's around in 20 years and it's going to take me 10 years to build it. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, at the end of the day, it's the journey and not necessarily the end. And um, I think that's that's how I've recasted my personal expectation. Um, you know, I'm 46 years old. Uh, I, I had this vision of, you know, maybe not working as hard in, in my 50s. Um, I've totally recasted that. You know, I, I'm treating myself like I'm a 22 year old right now just out of university. And it's going to take me 10 years to build up a book of relationships, build up wealth again, or, or financial stability, um, you know, build up Neuhaus uh, or, or some other business, you know, wh whatever happens. Um, I think that's, uh, that's how everyone should be thinking, really. It's, it's going to be a very long road back, but that's not a bad thing. There's, there has to be a sense of joy in the ability to firstly save, save your business, uh, you know, and then the ability to regrow it or, um, you know, if, if the business you work for, the business you own fails and, and believe me, let's be honest, many will fail. There's, there's no shame in that. Again, we're all in this. It's, it's very much unlike other, uh, other economic, uh, uh, recessions. This is a unmitigated financial disaster for, you know, probably 90% of the globe. Let's admit that and let's have no shame, you know, let, let's, let's, let's work together uh, and uh, and try to create value for everyone so that we can get back on our feet. I think that's the perfect way to end it. I mean, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to to chat with me for for a little while about what you're up to, and also giving this this great advice. At the end is is really fantastic. So thank you so much. Thank you. I've, I've really appreciated speaking today. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week. Please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.